Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding in God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. All right, so uh, today is going to be a little more of um, a teaching rather than a preaching. I'm not much of a preacher. Um, I am more of a teacher. I like to teach. Um, so I want to open up in prayer, and, and I'm actually going to have my, my lovely wife come up and start reading after that. Um, do you want to come? So, Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the, the word that you've given us that is a lamp unto our feet. God, I pray that you would just speak and that your Holy Spirit would be here, Lord, God, and that it would fill me as I speak, that those who are here would have ears to hear. And I just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be reading from Jude um, in verse 1. I'm just going to read the whole chapter, so bear with me as I power through. Um, So in verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand, and what things they do not understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed to profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. 
They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame with wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts that they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instinct and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others out from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence with our, without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Lord and Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I, love, I love the reading of the word, like in the full context. You know, we're, we're looking at Jude today, and I'm going to pick out a few things, but I wanted to read the full chapter to just, be, just to hear it. You know, I, and I love just listening to the word. And so I, I wanted you to just listen to the whole chapter as she read and we're going to kind of dive into a few things that I think are really important that the Lord spoke to me as I was going through it. You know, it's a small, small chapter, a small, small book with one chapter, and, but it's got a lot into, in it. And, and again, this is the chapter right before Revelation when, like, there's some crazy stuff that goes down in there, right? And so when, when you look at Jude and, and you see how he starts off, he kind of says, you know, dear friends right? He's saying, dear friends, I'm writing to my friends. He's like, I was, and he was excited to write this, okay? He was very excited to write to these people, uh, his fellow believers, uh, for the common salvation found in Jesus, or sorry, with a common salvation found in Jesus. But instead, he's like, but instead, I'm actually going to write you because I must tell you that you need to contend for the faith. And so it's a really, really interesting uh, way to start a, uh, a letter. <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, I was going to say this, but actually the Holy Spirit says, I need to say this to you. And so he starts going into a few things. And so I kind of want to just briefly talk about contending for the faith, 
okay? Um, I think it's so easy to let the world and our friends and people and whoever around us uh, to say whatever they want to say, whether it's truth or lie or, or craziness. We just, oh, wow, yeah, that's, oh, that's a lie, but I'm not going to stand up for it. Or I'm not going to do anything about it. And so contending for your faith, this is what, this is what it is. I have two kind of meanings, I guess, if you will. Uh, taking a direct stand against those within, within the church, within the church, mind you, um, not even just outside of the church, but even within the church, but those who are uh, denying the Bible's authority and who distort Christ, uh, the faith in Christ. And, and so a distortion, right, I'm just, I love Webster's Dictionary, I have right here, is to give um, a misleading or false account or uh, impression. Yes, impression. <laughs> okay, and so it's very easy to kind of get led astray. And there are so many people who think so many different things, and there are so many different doctrines and so many different uh, ideas out there. And, and so it's really important that in our faith that we back it up by Scripture. And, and, and I, don't get me wrong, I love listening to preachers and teachers and all this stuff. I do. I, I listen to a lot of them, and I think they're great. But if we get away from the scripture being the truth, if you're not in it and you don't know it, someone else can tell you something and you're like, oh yeah, that's true. But it could not be true if it doesn't line up to scripture. And so contending for your faith, you have to know the scripture in order to contend for it, right? And if you know it, you can contend for it because when somebody says something against it, you're like, well, that's not true. We need to contend, right? But if you don't know it, you won't be able to fight for it. And so the call here is to contend for the faith. So the call that I, as I started digging into here, and I'm like, man, I need to know this. I need to know what's true so that I can know what's false, okay? I need to know what's true. So uh, the second thing uh, about contending for the faith, it's pro- proclaiming uh, the redemptive truth uh, to all people. Okay, so those who believe in Jesus and the, uh, the full New Testament faith, uh, they must never allow the message to be weakened. Uh, and this is weakened by a lot of people, right? Weakened by uh, compromising its authority. Weakened by distorting its truth. Weakened by explaining away its power. I think so easily we can explain away the power of God because it's kind of weird. And people outside, when they see crazy stuff happening in the church, are like, oh, it's... I don't, let me explain this away, right? And it's so easy to want to explain it so that it doesn't seem as weird. But you know what? The supernatural, it's supernatural. It's not normal. <laughs> so when we try to explain it away, we, we take away from its power. And so don't do that. <laughs> um, dismissing its promises. That's another way that we can um, convolute or weaken the message of the gospel. Um, so... Uh, I want to get into and go kind of go into verse 5, uh, just kind of dig in a little bit in verse 5 here. So it says, uh, though you already know, and if, I'm sorry if you're not in Jude, <laughs> in Jude, <laughs> uh, verse 5 is where I'll be reading. Uh, it says, though you already know all of this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those, uh, later destroyed those who did not believe. So, this is a reminder. He says, hey, I want to remind you. So, it's really good 
to get a reminder every now and then. I love reminders. I set reminders in my phone all the time. You can ask my wife if I'm like, oh man, I got to remember this. I literally have a reminder right now on the way here. I set a reminder. I was like, uh, hey Siri. Siri pulls up and I'm like, uh, remind me at three o'clock that I need to pay this bill because it's due tomorrow. <laughs> and so I need reminders all the time or else I forget. Oh, Siri wants me to speak to her. <laughs> nice. Um, so, so Jude is reminding his friends, the people he's writing to in this letter. And I think there's two people that, that kind of hear a reminder. There's the humble and the prideful, okay? And so the humble will hear a reminder and they'll say, wow, I'm going to receive this cheerfully. But a prideful person will hear the reminder and be like, dude, I already know. I don't need your reminder. And, and so when we hear a reminder from someone who's hearing from the Lord, man, we want to we receive that with a cheerful heart. Even if it is something you already know. There's a lot of things that I'll hear that I already know. But if there's something that I can catch that's new and different, or just something that I can kind of get a refresher on, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's kind of a game changer when you can get a, a simple reminder of what the Lord has done or what he's doing or what he's going to do. Those are the promises of the Lord. And so um, I think there are two reasons for this reminder. The first one is to remember uh, in, the, in this whole chapter, right? There's two big reasons here. And the first one is to remember that there are false teachers and deceiving leaders um, out there who have and will slip into the church. This is past, present, and future. There are. It's, it's a thing. It's talked about a lot in the Bible. And so we need to be on guard. That's important. And so um, I don't, I don't want to neglect that or not talk about it in a public setting because it's, it's a thing. <laughs> and so the second thing is to remember that God's judgment is just and, and he uses um, Sodom and Gomorrah as an example in here. That, uh, and he also says, he's like, listen, uh, he's like, you delivered your people out of Egypt, but later you also destroyed those same people, right? So God is just. His judgment is just, okay? And so uh, that's a really big key point. So those are the two reasons that, that he's kind of reminding uh, everybody in this letter. And a big portion is, you know, about the, uh, the, the false teachers, so now I want, I want to kind of highlight verse 12 a bit. Um, and, and when I was reading this, it, there's a lot of things that I read over in the Bible. And at first I, I read over them, I glance over them, and it's like, oh, whatever, don't, don't know what that is. kind of weird. <laughs> um, and then you kind of go back to it, and you're like, huh. So he says something in verse 12 that I think is really interesting, and it's something about twice dead. Okay? So it says, there are blemishes at your love feast eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees, without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. So I started looking into this twice dead, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a little, do a little digging, find out what you know, uh, theologians say, what does the Bible say, What kind of go into a little bit here. And from what I could find... I think it's really cool, is that what Jude is really pointing at right here is that these are leaders who only feed themselves, who are selfish, and who have uh, come away from the Lord. Now, we all know that we're naturally born sinners. Dead. 
okay? And so when we go from uh, death to life, that's regeneration, that's when we get saved, right? Um, we were dead, and now we're alive. And what he's saying is they've been twice dead because they were alive, and now they're dead, right? These are the false teachers in the church. And I thought that was really interesting because I'm like, oh, wow. And there's a lot of controversy on that subject, I'm sure, and I'm not going to talk about that. But from how I read this, it's like they're twice dead. They were dead in their sin, and then they were alive in Christ. And then they weren't alive in Christ because they had fallen away, and they were dead in their sin. Twice dead. And then, if we, if we read and go before, he actually gives three, three things here that I skipped over in verse 11. All right? So if we, if we look at verse 11, it says, Woe to them. And like when you see woe to them in the Bible, it's actually a really big deal. Like, woe to them. Like, holy cow. These are, this is bad, okay? It says, They have taken the way of Cain. I don't know if you guys know what the way of Cain is, but I had to do some digging, okay? And if you don't know, you're going to know. And if you know, this is a good reminder for you, all right? <laughs> so, the way of Cain. I, I, so, I had to go to Genesis in order to find out what the way of Cain. So, Genesis 4, 3 to 8. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to go over it. So, what, what happens in, in Genesis is, is Cain, he, he kind of decides that he can bring whatever he wants to the Lord, and so he does, okay? Abel, however, brings uh, a good gift to the Lord, the first fruits, right? Uh, whereas Cain's bringing the leftovers. And so when he's talking about the way of Cain, these are the leaders, right? We're talking about leaders in the church, okay? This is what, this is what Jude is talking about. These are the leaders that refer to, um, so the way of Cain refers to a person who attempts to approach God on their own terms rather than God's terms. The way of Cain describes religious attempts to earn, God, to earn God's favor by works and rituals rather than the reliance on his grace. Okay? The way of Cain is any rebel, uh, religious system that appeals to our pride rather than our desperate condition before God. The way of Cain emphasizes human goodness rather than our human sinfulness. And that's a big one. And the way of Cain says that there are many paths that lead to God rather than the one, which is Jesus. Okay, so the big piece of understanding what the way of Cain is, is understanding that this is a person who attempts to approach God in their own terms. What does that mean? That means it could be a leader. It could be a, a church member, right? It could be a fellow brother or sister in Christ at a different church. It doesn't matter if it's yours. Um, that is trying to go to God on their own terms. And that's not how the Bible says. The Bible says literally the only way to God is through his son, right? The gospel message is the only way. It's the only way. And so it's, it's a simple thing when you read the Bible because there's only one way. But when you hear other people maybe distorting it, changing it, saying, well, you know, the Bible does say this, but, once they say the but, they've canceled everything else out, right? And so they're going to make up their own story. So, or I believe this. Well, does scripture back that up? Right? So, the way of Cain. It's the person who attempts to approach God in, on their own terms. So then he goes on. He says, okay, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed 
for profit and to Balaam's error. So I had to look up Balaam. <laughs> I, I've heard of Balaam. I, yeah, I know he was a, pro- a prophet in the Old Testament. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? What, what, is Bal- what was Balaam's error? I didn't know. Yeah, I'm just being real. Um, and so when, when I broke it down, there's two places that I went to in the Bible that I kind of found some answers. Uh, 2 Peter talks about it, and uh, Numbers 31, 8 to 16, and actually also in Revelation um, uh, 2, when, uh, when in Revelation it's referring to the end times, right? Uh, but, so there are three places in the Bible where it's, it's referring to Balaam here. And so, let me just give you a little bit about Balaam. Again, I told you this was going to be more of a teaching, not a preaching. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Balak. So, if we want to know anything about uh, Balaam, I want to start with King Balak. Okay, he was the king of Moab. And so, uh, Balak was kind of getting scared of Israel. Israel was doing its thing. It was kind of making its way. And so, he's kind of like, oh man, they're really doing a lot of stuff here. I'm kind of scared. And so, because he was scared, he was afraid of the reputation uh, of Israel. And so, he called Balaam, who had a reputation for uh, like powerful divining. Okay, that, That's basically what he had a reputation for. And Balak wanted Balaam to curse Israel. Now, see, Balaam was smarter than that, and he knew that he couldn't. <laughs> so he, he wouldn't. And, and Balak would ask him a few times. And so um, at this point, we see that Balaam's not doing a bad thing, right? He's saying no. But here's where Balaam went wrong, okay? Balaam went wrong because uh, he was an unfaithful prophet. Uh, he was a false prophet. He, he was too easily led away from God's truth into error. And it led other people astray as well. Okay? He taught people to practice idolatry and to commit fornication. All right? And again, it, it, his error, right? He led people astray. People were following him, and he led them astray. Because uh, he was a, prophet. was a prophet, but a false prophet. Um, oh, lost my place here. So, and, and so one of Balaam's errors is that uh, money, money was a big thing. Um, and so he, his love for money more than truth led him in a wrong direction, okay? And it's so easy for us because, you know, money is not a bad thing, guys. It's not a bad thing at all. But the love for money is, right? And it can lead you in places and make you do things, um, maybe take, uh, what do they call those, uh, a bribery, Right? Bribery is a thing. You look in politics, it's all over the place, right? It's everywhere. And so if you think that doesn't happen in the church, I'm sorry, you're wrong. It does happen. It happens all the time, um, even in the business world and in the church. And so um, when you get a, a leader who, who might say, oh, okay, well, it's a lot of money. Church needs the money. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Thank God, God, thanks for providing. You know, and, and it can lead in, in, a, in a, whore, a bad area. And so um, he also presumed to manipulate God. I think this is an interesting thing. So him and King Balak, they hoped that God could be pressured into doing something that they willed rather than what God willed. And it's so easy for us to be like, oh, Lord, we, we need this. We need this. And God's will might not be for us to have it. But we think that we need it. You know, we need to have this, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something crazy. Uh, it's not coming to my head. Some crazy building because we're going to reach so many people. I don't know. 
We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> and really, truly, we can reach people with no building at all, right? And so the heart is for the people, not for the building. But it's so easy to get associated to having a building. And I'm using a crazy example. This is not like a real-world example. It's from here. And so, but I want to realize, I want us to see today that we need to be in the Word and know what the Word says in order to be on guard. There's so much. If you read, I was reading Luke, okay, uh, probably a couple months ago, really did an in-depth study on Luke, and there was so much, like, when Jesus would speak, he'd be like, be on guard. Be on guard. You know, guard yourselves. (laughs) Like, so many times he would say to guard yourself. Make sure you're you're on watch. Um, Not to be deceived. And I think it's really important that we, we do be on, be on our guard and to be ready, to be vigilant. And so here is Jude. Jude's writing the same exact thing to the people he's writing to. All right. The third thing he says is that, um, so first one, he says, woe to them. He says, they've taken the way of Cain. They've rushed for profit into Balaam's error, and then they had been destroyed by Korah's rebellion. This one I wasn't as fond of. I was like, Korah? Who's Korah? Couldn't remember. And, because Balaam I'd heard about. Cain, obviously everyone knows about Cain. But I'm like, Korah? So I went and found the answer here. In number 16, it talks about Korah. So what Korah does, uh, basically leads a rebellion, a mutiny against Moses. Okay? So if you want to read about it, number 16... Look it up. You'll see it. <laughs> uh, so Korah is, is kind of leading this rebellion against Moses. Uh, and it's because him and his followers, because he, he had a following, um, a quite a large following, actually. Uh, and so he challenged Moses' uh, authority, and he challenged, um, Aaron, he challenged the command that Aaron alone could be the priest. Okay? They were like, no, we want a different leader. What, Moses? We don't want Moses. We don't want just Aaron. We want to have a whole bunch of priests. We want to have a, a, a better leader. We deserve a better leader. You know, we know what we know. And so because we know, we're going to kick him out and put a new person in. And so this can so easily happen in our world today, in our churches today, in our leadership today, where it's like, ah. Oh, this pastor or this deacon or this whoever, right? Man, he, he, we got to get him out of here. And if he or she is, is put in place because God wanted him there, who are we to do anything about it? And so we need to be careful, very, very careful, that we're not kicking people out who the Lord has put in place. That's very important. And so Korah, Korah's like, no, I know what's right. I have the answers. Guys, get behind me. I'm going to get us a better leader. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's get behind him. He's going to get us a better leader. This is going to be amazing. But Moses was the man of God. You know, and I hope you hear what I'm saying here. He challenged that authority. So by his actions, they were rejecting God and his revealed word about who would lead God's people. See, Korah and his followers thought they could choose for themselves who could lead the people. And so, again, today, we need to be careful about who we choose to lead. Right? And, and praying that and saying, Lord, who is your anointed to
to lead and let them lead. Very, very important. So another thing I thought that was interesting as I was reading, if you guys can read with me in verse 16. It says, these men are grumblers, fault finders, and they follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and they flatter others for their own advantage. Uh, When I read this, I was convicted. Straight up. (laughs) Because I'm like, I can be a grumbler. (laughs) No lie. Ask my wife. Complaining can be in my spirit, and I've been praying against it. (laughs) The Lord's still refining me. And so when I read this, I'm like, oh, they're grumblers. They're fault finders. Listen, I ain't going to lie to you all. Sometimes I'm like, hmm. This guy leading, he can't do this right, he can't do that right. And, I, and I'm like, this is not okay in me. You know what I'm saying? It's not okay. And, but I easily can find myself having a problem with the authority, right? Because they're not doing this. They said this wrong. They're doing that. They're, right? I, easily. And I, I have it together. I know what I'm talking about. I don't. And so... I was so convicted at this that the, the list of, of these men are grumblers, fault finders. They, they follow their evil desires. They boast about themselves. They flatter themselves. They flatter other people to boost their own interests. You know, and then I'm like, I'm like convicted of all six of these or five of these. It's five of these things that, he, that he's talking about. And so we need to watch out. This is a good reminder that if you find yourself in this spot, you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. And so I find myself in the same spot. I'm like, Lord, forgive me. You know, I don't, listen, I don't stand up here thinking I have everything together and I'm, I'm a great leader. I have so much to learn. And, and clearly, by reading Jude, I've, I'm like convicted. So, uh, big, that was a big one for me. So now, I, I want to kind of touch upon... Um, what do I want to touch upon? The last little bit here where he's, he's kind of giving a call to persevere to the church. So he's saying, all right, guys, contend for the faith. Okay, you know what? This, this is kind of the, um, the doom of the false prophets. And then at the end here, he's like, okay, here's a call for perseverance. And so um, perseverance, I, I think a lot of times we pray that God would take it away when truly we should pray, God, help me to persevere through it. Uh, I've been convicted of that myself where I'm like, Lord, I take away this, this thing. It's, it's not fun. And, and it's like, no, Lord, help me to persevere. Give me the endurance to go through it that I would learn to trust in you in a deeper way. And so he gives us a call at the end. He says, dear friends, remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. He starts going into like, kind of like end times. Okay, because it, it was foretold. <clears throat> and then uh, in uh, verse 20, he says, is it verse 20? Yes. Build yourselves up. Okay? And, and I think this is, this is good because we can definitely tear each other down. We can definitely tear ourselves down. Okay? And he says, build yourself up. And the way that you're going to do that is getting into the Word. The way that you're going to do that is being in a community with each other. You know, iron sharpens iron, okay? And so when you, when you build each other up, 
that's important for the body. And when it's all rooted in the word, that's important for the body. You know, and, and again, iron sharpening iron. And so um, I just kind of want to go over a couple things here in, in kind of closing uh, of important, uh, important things that, that Jude is telling the reader uh, to encourage them to resist. So the first one, the point at the end, is that we need to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. Okay? And so, holy faith is like a new, is the New Testament revelation handed down, handed down by Christ and the apostles. We need to build ourselves in our faith in the Lord. Okay? That is a big piece of what he says in the end here. The second thing he says is, we need to, we need to build ourselves up by praying in the Spirit. If you're baptized in the Spirit, and you have the gifts of the Spirit, you need to be building yourself up by praying in the Spirit. These are not hard things to do. Just pray in the Spirit. I, yesterday, well, this whole weekend, we were, uh, we were away, and we were at a, a Chi Alpha retreat for the leaders. And, and one of the leaders had shared with us that one of their goals this year was to pray, to spend, more t- to spend time every day in silence, and to spend time every day just praying in tongues. That was their goal. That they were going to take every day and have a, a time dedicated for silence and a, a, a separate time dedicated for just speaking in tongues and just praying to the Lord. And that is the way that Jude actually says here, one of the things is pray in the Spirit. Three, another way that we can uh, uh, build ourselves up is to remain in the presence of God remain in the presence of the Lord. You know, praying in tongues and, and spending time in silence with the Lord, those are two of the four ways that I'm talking about here. And, and so often, I'm busy, you're busy, we're like, oh, we got X-Men things going on, I, want, I gotta catch up on my Netflix shows, I gotta go here and get my errands done. And, and we don't make any time for silence. We don't make any time to be in the Word, and we don't make any time to speak in tongues in, in our, our own private prayer language with the Lord. And if you don't build yourself up, how are you going to be strong enough? You know, and it's, it's through the power of the Spirit. And, and that's important to know. <laughs> so the, the last thing, so we have building ourselves up in our, in our faith, building ourselves up by praying in the Spirit, and building ourselves up by being in the presence of God, and then by longing and waiting for the Lord's return. So often we... We forget how important it is for the reminder of Jesus is coming back. You know a really good way to not get so bogged down by the world? It's to remember that Jesus is coming back. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you can think about how bad it is right now. You know what? Yeah, obviously there's, there's recession. I can give you a number of things. Inflation. That's, getting, that's really hard to handle right now. Prices of everything are going high. It's getting hard to get stuff, right? We, we're, getting, we're having a lot of uh, shortages, food shortages, famines. It, these are all things that were predicted are going to happen in the Bible. Hold on to that. Build yourself up that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. If you want to build yourself up, understand he's coming back. Hold on to that. 
That's so encouraging to my spirit. That even though it's crazy in this world, and it is, you know, <laughs> Jesus is coming back. And so when we, when we read books like Jude, and they're just simple reminders, simple reminders on what we should be doing every day, the idea is that sometimes we don't do them every day, and we do them once a month. Or we do them twice a year, you know? And, and when you only do something twice a year that you should be doing every day, I'm sorry, but it's dead, right? If, uh, everyone would agree that eating is a daily thing, right? Eating and drinking. If we made eating and drinking a weekly thing, we would all be malnourished. So, so let's not d- take these reminders, right? Building yourself up in our faith. Building ourselves up in speaking and praying in our, our prayer language. Building ourselves up by being in the presence and building ourselves up by waiting on the Lord's return. Let's not do something that was meant for an everyday once a week. You're going to be malnourished. You're not going to be able to stand firm when, when false teachers and, and preachers come, come in. When the, when the wolves come in, you're not going to know. You're going to think they're another sheep. You'll be too malnourished to even see. And so I hope this is not um, something that, that, that seems crazy, but it's something that uplifts your spirit. Like, this is an encouragement to us. Yeah, it seems kind of like, okay, yeah, okay, there's a lot of stuff written here. But this is so encouraging to our spirit that Jesus is coming back, that we can build ourselves up by being with him, that we can pray in our prayer language, and that we can seek and build our faith in the Lord. So important, so important. And so I, I hope that this spoke to you. I hope that this uh, really uh, made you dig deep into the book of Jude and things that maybe you never saw before. Again, I know when I first read it, I read over the Korah's Rebellion. Yeah, sure, okay, Korah's Rebellion. And I was like, actually, what is that? Like, and so when you dig deep and find out what Korah is, it's like, oh, okay, wow. I, I hope this builds you up. I hope this brings you into a place where you're going to dig in. So in closing... I do want to just remind you that the four things and the four ways and the four takeaways of the very end here with his, his call to perseverance, it's to build ourselves in the most holy faith. It's to build ourselves in praying in the Spirit. It's to build ourselves by remaining in God's presence and to build ourselves by longing and waiting for the Lord to return. I'm going to open up the altars here. If you guys want to come up, and pray about these four things, I encourage you to. If you don't and you want to go home, that's awesome too. Um, but I do want to, I want to close it in prayer. I think, I think closing in prayer is an important piece because, you know, people who pray together stay together, you know? Let's, let's, let's do a little praying together. And, and I think the, the answer really is prayer. It always is. And it sounds cliche, but it's true. So, Lord, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you that you spoke to Jude so many years ago to write and to remind his friends to contend for the faith. Lord, I thank you, God, that that your Holy Spirit was pressed upon him to write this letter, 
God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to read your word and to learn and to dive in, God. I thank you so much for that. Lord, I thank you that there is encouragement in the word of God. Lord, I thank you that we can build ourselves up in our holy faith with you, Lord God. I thank you that we can pray in the spirit, Lord, and to be built up in the spirit. I thank you, God, that we can remain in the presence of I thank you that you have given us Jesus, Lord God. I thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit, that you left the Holy Spirit, that it was better that you left the Holy Spirit with us, God. And I thank you, God, that you're coming back again. I thank you for the promises that, God, that you are coming back, that your Son will come back and redeem. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. We give you glory and we give you honor because you are so good and you are so great and greatly to be praised. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one here, God. That they would be encouraged by the power of your Spirit, God. That there would be an encouragement upon their life today. And that they would go out from here changed and not remaining the same. We give you glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.